Well, how is your summer going? Have you been able to take your trips, your vacations, get some projects done, things like that? Summer is a good time for doing things like that, but summer is also a time for family gatherings and family reunions. It might be that there are some special picnics that are planned, especially around the holidays like the 4th of July. Or, as is typical, there are also weddings and family get-togethers at that occasion. We had one here yesterday, that's why we have all these extra flowers. But uh, now two families uh, come together and, and form a new family. And then, of course, sometimes there just are those big family reunions where people come from all over, and as Vaughn was saying before, you, you meet people that maybe you haven't met before or you haven't seen for a long time. And a lot of stuff goes on at those family reunions. There's, there's talking, um, updating how things are going for you, uh, finding out about people's lives. Sometimes you find out about some of the struggles or problems people might be having and maybe what can be done. So a lot of important things. Well, the psalmist also tells us about family gatherings. Now, if you had to answer the question, what would make a perfect family gathering, you'd probably have some ideas that were particular to your family. But the psalmist tells us what can make a perfect family gathering for us as the family of God. So as we're spending some time this summer in the Psalms, we're going to focus on one psalm that reminds us about the importance and the benefit of being together as a family of God. Hear the words of King David from Psalm 122. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing in your gates, Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. That is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord to praise the name of the Lord according to the statute given to Israel. There stand the thrones for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, Peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. Did you catch the tone, the flavor of his psalm in talking about a family? He used that term, family and friends. He talked about them being the, the people of God. In fact, throughout the Old Testament, we hear of them being referred to as the, the children of Israel. They speak about the forefathers. And so very much that, that concept of family was there among the believers. Now, when we think of family and family gatherings, we think of it usually being a joyous event. Although sometimes families don't always get along. As is illustrated by this cartoon, the lady says, for once we're going to have a happy, fa a happy family get-together. I'm stuffing the turkey with Prozac. 
Well, sometimes there can be some uh, disunity or, or problems within the family too. So is there some way to overcome that? Is there some way to have a happy family gathering? Well, there are some tips that we can take from David's psalm, three of them in fact. And the first is, remember why you get together. It's for worship. Did you catch a sense of excitement from his words when he said, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Do you get excited coming to church? Okay. <laughs> Maybe excited isn't the right word. But are you happy to come to church? Do you enjoy coming to church? You must because you do so regularly. Because you know that it's good to be here. And there's something right about it. Worship, that word, comes from an old English word that is worth-ship. It's the expression of worth. So we are here to express the worth, the value, the importance of God in our life. We might say it's fitting, it's proper. Now yesterday we had a wedding. And so there was a lot of fitting things that were done. You know, a white runner down the aisle, the bride dressed in a white gown, the spouse dressed in a tux, beautiful flowers, family gathering, the exchanging of rings and vows. All that was fitting and proper. Well, worship is fitting for us. There are a couple of other psalm verses that describe why. Here's one of them. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Did you hear how God referred to us in that verse? You know, when we have a family gathering, we'll maybe characterize some of the people that are there. Oh, there's that goofy cousin. Oh, there's that uh, philanthropist uncle. There's the loving grandmother. Oh, there's those rowdy kids. <laughs> we have ways of, of categorizing everyone in the family. Well, look at how God categorized us, characterized us as righteous and upright. God sees us as holy. Is that how you see one another? Is that how you see yourself? I don't. I look in the mirror, the mirror of God's word, and I see a sinner. I look out and I see people who, who sin, who, who violate God's will, who don't do what God says we should do. And yet God says, you're righteous. And that's why we come here. Because it's fitting for us to worship, to express the worth of God, because he has declared us right, holy. How could he do that? Because of Jesus. Jesus came into the world and became our sin. He took all of our sin and guilt upon himself and was punished for it. And in exchange, God gave us his righteousness. So even though you and I look at ourselves and look at each other and see sin, God looks at us and sees Jesus. He sees us as righteous. And let me tell you, isn't that a good reason to come and to praise God? For what he has done, for what he says, for how he views us, 
He sees us as righteous, as holy, and he calls us his family. He calls us his kids, his children. Yeah, that's what worship is about. And that's why we make it a priority. That's why we don't sleep in. That's why we don't just stay at home and relax. That's why we don't put other activities over worshiping God. We make worship a priority in our life. That's fitting. That's proper. Now the psalmist also says something else about it being fitting. He said, praise the Lord, how good it is to sing praises to our God, how pleasant and fitting to praise him. Worshiping God is pleasant and good. In other words, it's beneficial. It's good for us. Now, as I reflected on that, I, I came up with three reasons why worship is good for us. First of all, it builds our faith. When we've just spent a whole week going through life with all its ups and downs, its challenges, its work, its demands, its troubles and problems that cause worries and doubts, we need to have our faith built up. We need to be reminded about God's promises and that he's with us and blesses us. Worship does that. It's also a time for us to give thanks to God, to recall how he is blessing us, what he has done, what he said he will continue to do, so that we don't take these things for granted and so that we don't forget them, but being thankful for them and recognizing we have them as gifts from God. And finally, we recognize that greatest need we have for forgiveness, and we hear it declared to us. We hear that we are right with God because of Jesus. And that just brings a sense of, of refreshment and, and restoration to us. This desire then to want to walk with God, this desire to want to praise him thank him, and just be assured of his love. That's why worship is good. That's why it's beneficial. That's what we need. Would you agree? That's a good list. And yet, sometimes people in the family of God don't get together for worship. They are absent from this gathering. Now, Unfortunately, that's an age-old problem. A writer of one of the letters in the New Testament even called his reader's attention to that. In the book of Hebrews, he said, Don't give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. The day referring to Jesus' return, Judgment Day. You see what he was worried about is people falling away from faith. In fact, earlier in that letter, he addressed it. He said this, We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through the angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation. You see, he was warning us against the danger of drifting. I think of how a boat drifts away. You know, the winds and the waves just gradually move it away, don't it? 
And the reason that happens is, is because it wasn't anchored, it wasn't tied up, it wasn't secure, no connection. And that can happen with us too if we're not anchored in our faith, anchored to the Word of God. And that's why he said, make sure you're paying the most careful attention to what you have heard. What he's reminding us of is that need for regularly getting together to worship God because that's the anchor for our soul. Now, let's, let's move away for a minute uh, and just thinking about you know, people who aren't coming to church. Let's think about us who are sitting here in church. See, it's possible for us to drift too. Now, you might drift off in your thoughts and not pay attention. But it might also be that you think, well, that message really isn't for me. Or maybe you think, yeah, that is a message for me, but you know what? You stand up, you leave church, and you forget about it. We can drift away, too, if we're not paying careful attention to what we hear. You know, if, if, if you have a special family gathering coming up, you, you probably put it in your phone, you put it on your calendar, right, so you don't forget. Now, sometimes... Some gatherings are so regular that you maybe don't even put it in on your calendar. Like, I don't know, do you have church on your calendar? Or do you just know that that's what you're going to do? I have it on my calendar. I don't want to schedule anything against not being here, you know. But here's my point. Maybe we need to be very deliberate in reminding ourselves about this family get-together. How important it is, how beneficial and fitting it is, so that we don't drift away. So, make worship a habit. Whether you have it in your calendar or not, if you do it regularly, it becomes a habit. And it's a good habit. Don't kick it. Worship God regularly. Now, when families get together, oftentimes they talk, right? They have conversations. You find out about what's going on in everybody's life. And when you do that, maybe you're finding out some changes that are going on, maybe some challenges that are there, some problems, some trouble. And maybe as a family, you kind of get together and, and figure out ways that you can support one another. Well, that's what David was talking about as he continued in his psalm. He said, Jerusalem is like a city that is closely compacted together, <laughs> a crowded city. You know, the kind where you could open your window and scratch your neighbor's back? He was speaking about the intimacy, the closeness of that community. He said, that's where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to praise the name of the Lord according to the statute given to Israel. And then he says this, which is kind of an interesting phrase I'll explain in a minute. There stand the thrones for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Well, what he's encouraging us to do as a family is to be together to support one another. Now, our beloved warriors have a, a little um, saying to encourage the fans. It was strength in numbers, okay? So they were saying, the more of us that are out there, boy, the strength we'll have together. Well, David was talking about strength too, but not in numbers. He was about, talking about the strength we have in unity, the strength we have in the oneness of our faith. Peter talked about that as he used the illustration of a building to describe how God put us together. He wrote, 
As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You see, God wants us to be together. Sometimes the American spirit is portrayed as one of individualism. You know, we're tough and we're rugged and I don't need help from anybody. I can do it myself. In fact, sometimes people will even say, well, you know, the Bible says God helps those who help themselves. That's not in the Bible. In fact, God says just the opposite. He says, get together and help one another. Now, getting together isn't really what our unity is about. The unity runs deeper. Just getting together, that's union. But having a unity, a oneness, is what he's talking about. Paul illustrated that when he said, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of his household, his family, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. That's our unity, built on Christ and his word. But now look how he goes on to further describe us. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. God lives in us. That's what brings us together as one. And, and the glue, the cement that holds us together is his truth. Paul will go on in, the, in a couple chapters later and, and describe it. He says there is one body, one family, and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. It's our faith in God that gives us that strength that we are united. Now, Paul also went on and, and I mean, sorry, David also went on and said, and there stand the thrones for judgment. The thrones of the house of David. What was he talking about? Well, he was talking about seeking the will of God. You see, there were thrones set up for judgment that the people could go to the, the court, the Supreme Court, so to speak. They could go to the king and they could ask for his decision on things where they were looking for direction. Well, you and I are often looking for direction too. And so he encourages us to go to the throne of God to seek his direction. Maybe you're looking for direction for your job for your schooling, for your relationship, for your finances. Maybe you're looking at a big purchase of something. There's always things that we want some direction for, and sometimes we want to know, what is God's will for me? Well, God expresses his will clearly in the scriptures. And even for us as a church, sometimes we wonder, well, what should we do next? What are we supposed to be about? And we've got so many different programs that go on around here, but we always have to unite them with the mission, with the direction, with the will that God has given us. And you know what it is. Jesus said, go and make disciples 
of all nations, by baptizing them and by teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And so as a church, with all of our different programs and organizations, we always want to center them on that mission of making disciples, teaching people the word and the will of God. I think it's good for us to reflect on how we do that here at Apostles. Let me just give you a few examples. When there are people who are suffering, maybe they're sick, maybe they've been injured, uh, maybe they're going through some grief, a loss in their family. It's just wonderful to see how this family pulls together and surrounds those people to bring them support. Recently, the ladies of our congregation put together some little bags. They called them bags of blessings and had all sorts of little things in there that could be given to people who were homeless. And we have heard some wonderful stories about the experiences that our people had in handing out those bags. And so we, we published some of those in the bulletin. And, and there's a new one in there this week, and I want you to read it, but not now. Uh, read it later, later and, and you'll hear this experience of what, what it was like when this person opened up the bag and pulled out the piece of paper that told them about God's love. You see, that's what this is about, sharing God's love. Uh, you know that once or twice a month I go up to the prison, and, and I told you last week that um, I met with a man that I never knew before. And he was just amazed that these visitors from this church would come up and, and call him out of his cell and, and meet with him, total strangers, and share love with him. And he wrote a, a thank you letter to me during the week, and he said, thank you for coming up. I went to the Bible study that night that your church sponsors, and I'm going to keep going because if you can come and show that kind of love, I want to know the God of love. You see, that's what it's about. That's what our, all our ministries are about, sharing God's love. So let's keep getting together. Let's keep working hard together, always focused on that will of God to make disciples of others. Now, David gives us one more tip for having a good family get-together, and that is prayer. Listen to his words again. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, Peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. He's urging, first of all, that we pray for people's protection. Now, maybe he was thinking about the enemies that surrounded Jerusalem at that time. Sometimes in the news we hear about the, the fighting that goes on in the Middle East and we're concerned about it. But more than just those physical enemies, David's thinking about the spiritual enemies. Because like the Apostle Paul who said, you know, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the spiritual forces of darkness in this world. That's the real enemy. That enemy that lives in us. Our own sinful nature and the devil. We need to speak and pray for the protection of one another that we stay faithful to God. He prayed for peace. Now again, might have been thinking about that outward peace, but he said, I'm praying that peace be within you. You see, he was describing and praying for spiritual peace. 
in our country, sometimes we get you know, a little concerned about, do we have peace with Russia? Do we have peace with North Korea? Or do we have peace among ourselves? Do we have peace within our own heart, knowing God's peace for us? Sometimes we become so passionate around here for our, for our particular ministries that we like that, that maybe sometimes we end up neglecting or, or getting in a little bit of contest with other ministries. Remember, we're all here together as a team. We want that peace going forward to carry out that mission of God, all working for the common good. And therefore, he prays for prosperity. He said, for the sake of the house of God, I pray for your prosperity. We want there to be good physical well-being, people's health, people's finances, people's job, people's emotions and relationships, all for the sake of them knowing God's blessing and for us to work together as a family for the house of God to spread his word. Well, that's the family get-together that, that David gives us, those tips. You know, if you've been to a family get-together, when it's over, you all go back home and do your thing again, right? Now, maybe you'll have some fond memories of it. And maybe you'll remember some things that, that you heard, you know, that maybe somebody needs some help and, and whatever. And, and maybe you'll try to stay more connected with the people in, in your family. Let me tell you a difference and a good difference about this family. It doesn't, this get-together does not end. It continues here and up in heaven as well. So let's continue to meet and work together to worship, to support one another, and pray. Amen.